Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Wonderful, guys. Just uh, really is great to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about sharing what I feel to share today with you guys. When we, uh, yeah, when, I, when we got back from leave 18 months ago, we had a bit of a longer leave than normal. And I really felt God speak to me about authority. And um, I think at one of the pastor's times, I did a bit of a talk on authority, but I kind of, I didn't, and then it's kind of come back to me again about what it means to walk in authority. And uh, I really feel like the church, and particularly us as pastors and leaders, have got to regain again what it means to walk in authority, in kingdom authority. And uh, think about this, if I asked you the question, what was the thing that Adam and Eve lost in the garden? Authority. So what they did, God had given them a task. God had given them authority to take this garden and to spread it throughout the world, throughout the earth. And what happened is, instead of submitting to God, who is the author, who is the one that gives authority, they gave that authority to the devil. And, and so they gave that authority away. But what's amazing is that second Adam went to the cross and eventually he comes out in Matthew 28 and he says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples. So in other words, Jesus comes back and he, gives, he takes back what Adam and Eve messed up and he takes it back on himself and he puts it back into our hands to walk in kingdom authority. And um, there's many different kinds of authority that you get kind of when you, when you think about the word authority. In fact, the word authority has probably got quite bad connotations in many people's minds because of the abuse of authority. And so, because authority is a, it's one of those words, well, and, and then the Bible's quite clear about it. Don't, don't lord it over. So we're not, we're not meant to just use authority for our own gain. We're meant to use authority for, and, under, the, under the kingdom in Jesus' way to serve people, to to help people. But, but authority in the world has got, a, has got a, and especially now in today's culture, kind of any, any kind of authority is pushed against. But the kind of authority that I think God wants to walk, wants us to begin to walk in is absolutely key for the season that we are in. And there's different kinds of authority. So you think of, you think of religious authority. The Pharisees had religious authority. So when they, nobody could do anything in the, in the, in the temple or in, the, in, the, in Jerusalem without the Pharisees giving the yea or nay around what, to, they had religious authority. And they were the ones that killed Jesus. They were the ones that, between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Then you have positional authority. Then you have political authority. People that elect people into positions of authority. You have Things of people that take up positions of authority because of money, power. So you have all these different levels of authority in the world that we live in and we interact with. But the kind of authority that I'm talking about is not that kind of authority. I'm talking about the kind of authority that comes with the kingdom. I'm talking about the kind of authority that God gives us and it's out of a relationship with God backed by God. It's that kind of authority. It's the, it's the kind of authority where nobody has to prove themselves. It's the kind of authority where there's no protecting or trying to prove or trying to get an one-upmanship on anybody. It's the kind of authority that just is secure in who they are, is humble. But when people with authority speak, you listen. It's the kind of a, it's, um, authority that's secure, that's serving, that's strong. It's the kind of authority that Jesus had. And so often, I think in the church, we chase power because we want to see signs and wonders. Who doesn't want to? But how many of us chase authority? 
You see, power is a gift in many respects. It's a gift. So we have the manifestation gifts. We have the, all the different kinds of gifts. And one of them is the gift of healing. And you, you have these power gifts. But authority doesn't come because of a gift. Authority is formed in you. It's hard work to grow in authority. And remember, Jesus grew in the favor with God and with men. He grew in his authority. He, he had to learn. He had to go through the hard work of growing into his authority. And eventually, at his baptism, the Spirit of God comes upon him. And God releases him. His Father releases him into his ministry. Think about all the authority texts. Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the kingdom is a king ruling with authority. Matthew chapter 16. I tell you that, uh, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. You know the text well. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Will not overcome it. The, the, the gates will not be able to withstand the authority of the church. I will give you the keys. Authority. Mark chapter 11 verse 28. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked Jesus. Who gave you this right to act? Jesus was teaching and they're saying, hang on, this guy teaches differently to the others. He teaches like one with authority. What about Luke chapter 10? I gave, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. It's authority. It's the word exousia in Greek as opposed to dunamis in, for power. And many of you will, will know this and kind of have preached it probably. But I want to remind us of the importance of us growing in authority. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says. Now go and make disciples. And the implication of that, authority has been given to me, now I'm giving you authority to go. Power and authority. There is a difference. It's almost like power is an ability God gives you. It's a gifting God gives you. And I love the way, whereas, whereas authority is the power or the right to act. It's the, it's, the, it's the right to control or govern. It's, the, it's an area of jurisdiction that you have. And in, um, where is it? Luke chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Do you notice... Jesus' very short prayers of declaration when he's in the miraculous. Be healed. Come out. Follow me. Because Jesus carries authority. He doesn't have to pray himself into something. He carries authority. He knows who he is and he knows whose he is. And so when he acts in that place, he lives in the place of authority. I love it when Pilate says to Jesus, he says, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? He says to Jesus. And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it, not, if it were not given to you from above. You've got no power over me if it was not given to you. The authority of that was not given to you. Understand, don't, don't understand. Your, you, your authority and my authority. Let's see what's going to happen here. Authority is an incredibly powerful thing. Adam and Eve were given authority. Israel was given authority to be the light of the world. Israel was given the authority to be different to the rest of the nations. And to bring Yahweh to the other nations. He were, they were God's inheritance. And they messed it up. Husbands are given authority in the home to serve and to love and to make sure that the home is a place of flourishing. Jesus has taken back authority and he gives the church authority. Leaders 
are given authority. Titus says this, when uh, these, uh, these are things that you should teach, encourage in your book with all authority. Leaders are given authority. Um, preaching is preaching with authority. The scriptures have authority because they are truth and they're the word of God. So when somebody with authority takes the word which is authority and preaches it, things move. And this is the kind of authority that I'm kind of trying to get at. It's the kind of authority that when you speak, people listen. But it's more than just when you speak. It's when you come into an environment, the environment changes. It's an authority that comes because the presence of God is with you. It's an environment that comes because the king comes into the room when you come into the room. I don't know if any of you have read any of those old Smith Wigglesworth kind of books and accounts. The one account of him walking into a train and sitting in a carriage uh, uh, booth. Just sitting there. And the next thing, everybody in the booth starts repenting and confessing and giving their lives to Jesus. Didn't say a word because he carried kingdom authority. And this is my concern for us as leaders. It starts because it's a concern for me. I can see myself here. We slip into business leadership models with a little bit of Jesus thrown on top. So we have a chocolate Sunday for Sunday. It's like we have a little bit of whipped cream of Jesus, but actually it's leadership principles. Friends, can I say John Maxwell is wonderful, and I've read John Maxwell. He will not change people's lives. Kingdom authority under the authority and the presence of God is what changes people's lives. This is uh, the thing that I'm talking about. It's not leadership principles. And one of my things is, my concerns is that we actually, what we're doing is we're becoming better and better administrators of the church and less and less good ministers of the church. Where when we preach and when we minister, as we grow in authority, people's lives are changed. This is what I'm talking about, this kind of authority. I'm talking about spiritual leadership that involves more than human leadership. I've got nothing wrong with, nothing bad to say about John Maxwell and the leadership books that we read. They, are, they overlap and all those sorts of things. But that, without the spiritual authority that Jesus gives us, will not change people's lives. Yeah. Will not get people saved. They'll help you organize serving teams, but they're not going to get people saved. They're not going to see people healed. They're not going to see demons come out. It's that kind of authority that I'm talking about. If, you call, if we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom, an ambassador carries authority. They have diplomatic immunity in, in nations. It's like there's authority there. If the kingdom is about authority, which it is, the king and the kingdom, restoring the kingdom is about carrying kingdom authority into different environments and seeing God move. This is the kind of authority that I'm talking about. This is what I'm stirred about. So how do we grow in authority? That's my thing. My, my biggest prayer right now, Lord, I want to grow in authority. You know, friends, when you grow in authority, power flows. But when you're flowing in gifts, it doesn't necessarily mean you're operating in authority. It's a gift. It's irrevocable. You can be in sin and the gift operates. But authority is a whole different kettle of fish. Three things. Authority is rooted in identity. It grows in intimacy and is exercised by faith. Identity Intimacy and faith. Revolutionary, hey? Never heard those three things before. Identity, number one. Friends, I tell you what, as ministers of the kingdom, never before, I don't think ever before, and I don't know if it's just because I'm over 50, 
and I'm more aware of my weakness and my frailty now than what I was when I was 20 or 30. But I tell you what, God is wanting to sort His church out. And the reason why He wants to sort His church out is because His church has got to rise up in authority. We will not change the city. We will not change the city. We'll, the voice that we need is a voice of ability. You see, if you, you can put Christians on the Durban Council or whatever the Quadaguza Council, but if those people don't carry kingdom authority, nobody's going to listen to them. You can be in a boardroom, or board, a, a governing body of a school. Unless you've got kingdom authority, nobody listens to you. But when somebody with authority stands up, everybody listens. It's a distinguishing voice. It's a voice you can't miss. Demons don't miss it. I trust that we all kind of do believe that there are demons. So identity. Twice in the scriptures, God speaks to Jesus by, with an audible voice. Twice. Can you remember what he says? One at his baptism. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Second one, Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Both times that Jesus gets spoken to by his father audibly, it's about identity. It's about his identity. The Holy Spirit takes him from his baptism and leads him into the desert where he gets tested around his identity. How do you know if your identity has been formed? You will know because it's going to get tested. And you're going to have a choice to make. Turn these stones into bread? No, no, no. I can, but I listen to every word that comes from the mouth of God, not to you. Yeah, but worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms. No, 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 I don't need shortcuts from you. I know who I am. I'm the son. I'm getting all the kingdoms. I don't need shortcuts. Authority gets. And guess what happens? Jesus goes to the tests and he comes out of the desert, it says, full of the power of the Spirit. Not just full of the Spirit, but full of the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread everywhere. You know why the news spread about everywhere? Because he carried authority. Suddenly this guy is off the charts. He's not just full of the Spirit. He's full of identity and full of the Spirit. I actually wrote this down. I said this. I said, when you're full of the Spirit, plus know who you are in your identity, news about you will spread everywhere. When you're full of the Spirit, but have not got a formed identity, you live in Christian hedonism. And you constantly need to be full of the Spirit and you need to be having experience all the time. Friends, we are called to be full of the Spirit, but be full of God in our identity. And then God will use us to minister powerfully. I'm absolutely more and more convinced about this than any time in my life before. That we need this. The Spirit empowering men and women with a formed identity leads to kingdom coming, news spreading in every area of your life. Not just the four walls of the church, friends. Because that authority works everywhere. It's not just a church thing. It's an all-of-life thing. If you're on the board of a company, your voice of wisdom clarifies and brings security. I love the disciples. They go and they cast out demons. Jesus sends out the 72. They come back and they say, Lord, can you believe it? The, the demons flee at our, at our command. And Jesus says, hey, well done. But don't just rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, Jesus wanted them to understand this. That their ministry, that's wonderful about your ministry success. But understand this, know who you are. It's more important to know who you are than get caught up in the power that's moving around you. 
Because when the power starts to move, you've got to know who you are and where that power came from. Let us approach God's um, throne with, uh, uh, with confidence so that we can receive mercy in our time of need. Friends, how confidently are we approaching the throne of grace? How confidently are we approaching it? Because if we're not approaching the throne of grace with confidence and boldness, I want to say to us, maybe there's something wrong with our identity. It's not yet formed. God's got to deal with some stuff in our hearts. When we carry issues that make us feel like outsiders, we don't approach the Father with confidence. And I think there's people here this morning, today, that don't feel like they can approach the Father with confidence. And you know what happens? It's hard to trust Him in the dark when you're not in the light about who we are. Identity. So key. And you know what, friends? The thing is this. In church circles, we hear about it all the time. I mean, sure, everybody's heard a preach, done a preach, preached on identity. And so what happens is we end up with this kind of gap between knowing the truth and living it out. And then when people, somebody comes and speaks about it, yeah, and I've heard that. Dial down. But how's your identity? <laughs> it's like... So I've got the knowledge, that's information, but has it become revelation to me so that the gap between what I know and what has been made known to me by the Spirit of God gets made smaller? Identity. Three basic lies we believe. Just to highlight some identity things. The people-pleasing lie. The issue of my value is dependent on what, whether people like me a lot or love me or not. Friends, we've got to make sure that in deeper and greater ways, and listen, all of us struggle with that because every one of us doesn't want to be liked. But we've got to settle in our hearts. Our value was settled at the cross. When the Father said to him, this is my son, whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And when we, at, when we are in Christ, we receive that same message at the cross. If we are insecure, we'll never walk into the identity that God's got for us. What about the performance lie? The issue of my value is dependent upon my performance. At some point in our lives, and this often happens later on in our lives, our call has got to be separated from our value in God. Our doing has got to be separated from our being in God. And as soon as those two things are linked, if you're doing well, then you're being with God as well. When the call is going well, then my value is up. The problem is, what you need is your identity to embrace so that you can be with the Father, so that the affirmation of the Father can give you what you need so that you can do well and be well and, and walk into your core well. And as soon as those two things are linked, your performance thing goes up and down, your emotions are up and down, depending on how well it's going. Instead of your inherent value of who you are connected to Him. Because at the cross, that was settled. And lastly, the control there. The issue of my value is dependent on whether I remain in control. If, every, if anyone ever told you that you are controlling, it's probably because you are. <laughs> it's probably because you are. Listen, be humble. Take stock. <laughs> and you know what I realized for me? It's not always about wanting to control people. It's much more about controlling outcomes and results. 
which is often connected to your call and it's wanting it's trying to connect it's wanting to so we're trying to get a new lease with Prasa. We tried to buy a house with FNB and then FNB let us down and they, they gave the bond 24, uh, 12, 10, 8 hours too late and so we lost the deal and I was so cross with FNB. Like, when I say cross, like raging. Like, like raging. <laughs> Prasa, like, give me a missile. It's much more about controlling outcomes and results. And I've realized this is when I can't control that, I get angry. And the reason why you're angry is because you're scared. You know what, friends? I can't control Prasa. And suddenly I've realized, actually, I can't control Prasa. I can't control FNB. I actually can't control the result of anything. I'm completely in his hands. And I'm 54 years old, I'm an alati, I'm a baby, and I haven't even learned that yet. <laughs> and what happens is, it puts you back into a fear thing, and as soon as you're in fear, it robs you of your authority. And you know that angry outburst when you lose it? You know what you lose? Authority. When you're in a rage and you lose it, the thing that you lose is authority to shift something. You give it away. Intimacy. Identity. It's rooted. Authority. This kind of authority that I'm talking is rooted in identity. We've got to allow God to do work in our identity. And to me, we've got to get before God and get to with our mates, our close mates, and say, God, please, actually, I've got stuff I need you to help me deal with. And don't let yourself off the hook. Keep asking questions. Why am I doing this? Why am I like this? Why am I in fear? Why am I anxious? Why, 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 why? Until you get down to the re reality of actually why. Until the Holy Spirit gives you why. Next one is Intimacy. Abide in me. If you want fruit, you can do nothing without me. You want fruit that lasts. If you want much fruit, if you want lasting fruit, abide in me. We've got to connect with the author if we want authority. The authority that we carry comes from the word. Author is in the word authority. The Father gives us authority on his behalf to bring the kingdom. And it's not at a distance. It's at close quarters looking at his face. Authority grows in relational intimacy, friends. You know the story. Jesus gave them this answer. Truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He, can only do, he only does what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. How does he show him these things? Where does he see these things when he's with them? Intimacy. Jesus lived an intimate, rested, fruitful life because he only did what, he what the Father told him to do. He lived a life of obedience to the Father and intimacy with the Father in relational union, oneness, unity with the Father. He only said what the Father told him to say. Jesus never ever took on his own assignment. He always got his assignment from the Father. How many of us Put my hand up first. Just get on with it and presume and assume because it's good and it's kingdom. It's church. But is it the Father? And we hope like anything that the Father's going to back us. Human needs never drove Jesus into action. In fact, often the humans would come this way, Jesus would go that way. 
I'm not going there. I need to go and be with my father. Jesus invested in 3, 12, 72, 120. And he invested in the 3 and the 12 way more than he invested in the other groups. Well, that's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about being faithful to the Father. If we don't learn to say yes to the Father and say no to people, we'll end up spiritually anemic, emotionally depleted, depleted and mostly ineffective. Friends, if our intimate life with Him, if our being with Him doesn't, isn't greater than our doing for Him, we are going to be on the wash heap of burnt out ministers. It's like, you know this. You know this. I'm just reminding you. We end up ministering out of our own humanity, not owing, overflowing from the presence of God. You cannot give what you haven't got. You know this. Every battle is not our battle. Every need is not our responsibility. And every human request is not the Father's desire for us to meet. But we only find that in intimacy with Him. But you know what? If we have a whole lot of unprocessed people-pleasing in our hearts, we'll say yes to pe people, and when we say yes to people, what we're actually doing is saying no to the Father. In many cases. And then we run out of divine supply. Done. Ultimately, what's being sacrificed, friends, is the kingdom authority that God has given us to bring the kingdom on earth. To let His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we think we can be cleverer than God. Jesus never lived a balanced life. We think Jesus was this like floated on water guy, lived this perfectly balanced life. He kind of hardly broke into a sweat. And listen, Jesus was busy flat out all the time. But you know what Jesus got right? He retreated to be with the Father often. He refueled with the Father often. Constantly. To the point of saying no to that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to Lazarus in a rush. I'm not going here. I'm coming back to the Father. He could do and would do nothing without hearing from the Father. I'm saying, Lord God, please help me be like this Jesus. When we will, friends, we will start to walk and grow in the authority that is ours in Him. And then what happens is ministry becomes much easier. Because when you operate with authority, things move. Things grow. Difficult things happen, get change. People get delivered. And then lastly, faith, as I finish off. It's amazing Jesus commends the centurion for his faith. Just, just say the word. Get healed. See, the, somehow the, the centurion understood that Jesus, that he was over soldiers, just like Jesus is over sickness. All he has to do is say the word. And But he also understood this. I've got people over me, just like the Father's over you. And you only do what the Father tells you. It's like, and Jesus looks at this and says, hang on. I haven't seen greater faith in all of Israel. You've, understood. You've got this. You've got this. I tell you what, friends. This kind of authority is rooted. It's rooted in our identity. It grows in intimacy. And it's exercised by faith. And we've got to stop making excuses for a lack of faith. Oh, but God will just do whatever He wants to do. Yeah. He will. But not always. You see, what happens is somehow 
we let ourselves off the hook with a version of the sovereignty of God that releases passive, passive faith in our hearts. Makes us feel better about impotent results. It's not about results, friends. It's not about claiming it and naming it. And there's lots of mystery with the way these things work. But friends, all I'm saying is we need to play our part in the equation. And our part is have faith. And then God does the rest. If we've got faith and God doesn't do it, I've done my part. I'd be rather be trusting God for the impossible and be disappointed than have to grieve the process of a passive, fatalistic, seeing little happening. We've got to have faith. There is no honor in the kingdom for being a skeptic. And let me just say lastly around this thing. A theology of power needs to be coupled with the theology of suffering. Together. Kingdom authority is rooted in identity. It grows in intimacy. And it's exercised by faith. It's when we have courageous faith to step out and trust God in who we are because we know who we are and whose we are. And we've heard as best as we know from Him and we step out in faith that we will start to see God do amazing things amongst us. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. We need to get desperate for this. Isn't it amazing? Often it's desperation that's the key to breaking this over. Because you know what desperation does? When you're facing something that is insurmountable, you're desperate. I've got no other way. It breaks us free from all our self-reliance. And we throw ourselves solely on the might of God, on the love of God. And desperation reveals our fears and we can see them clearly. It kind of changes what we see. Desperation. If you're desperate today, have faith. Don't back off. Desperation is a beautiful atmosphere for God to work. And for you to begin to grow in the authority that God's put on your life. It's almost like once God gives you a key... You never lose the key. You can minister in that thing all the time. Because you've grown to a level of authority. Grow in faith. Authority is rooted in identity, grows in intimacy, and is exercised in faith. All three of those things will help us, I believe, step into the authority, kingdom authority that we need to see what God needs us to operate. You know what I, I was thinking today? When we came to Glenridge, we were 25. Chris and Meryl Vinant were leading the church. I thought, what kept me there? There was Oaks were jumping around, roaring like lions. There was Toronto blessing happening. Oaks were jumping like bunnies. Like full on, like, like, and I was like, what is going on here? But when Chris Finan got up and preached, I took one between the eyes every Sunday. One in the heart, one in the head, one in the heart, one in the head, every Sunday. You know what I realized today? He carried authority. When you carry authority, people can't stop it. One on the heart, one on the head. One on the heart, one on the head. And eventually, change. <laughs> it's like Rory Dyer. Authority. Authority. Like you just, you can't, I mean, those are some names that you might know, but just that I've, I've lived under the ministry of. Authority, friends. You cannot fake it. But when you when you are when you under somebody with authority, you know there's authority there. 
When somebody stands up with authority, you know there's authority in the room. It's not up, it's not flashy, it's not manipulative. It's just there. Boom. My prayers, Lord, help me to grow in that. I tell you what, that is all you need to grow the church. That's all you need to grow the church. You don't need another church growth self-help manual. Serve better coffees and better kids ministry. You preach with authority and operate in authority. The church will grow. Jesus never ever battled to draw a crowd. Ever. People were flocking around him all the time. I want to encourage us to grow and be rooted in your identity, to grow in your intimacy with the Father and to, to exercise your faith so that you, all of us will begin to the high level mark of the authority that which we walk in will grow in greater measures. Bless you guys. Shanae, I'm absolutely convinced. I'm absolutely convinced. We know that we should be with God. So why aren't we? So we know that the, the most important thing we can do is to be in the Word and to be with Him. To be in the Word with Him. So I find myself... I come from an engineering background, so I get my hands stuck into all the stuff in the church. <laughs> Fixing this, sorting this, getting that, leases, that thing. And, I say, and I've realized, actually, the thing that suffers, because I can do that well, I can do that easily. It's a gift. But the authority that you need to get up and preach on a Sunday, I mean... Who, who's got a dream? What are my dreams? And it's happened to me once. To be preaching on a Sunday and demons are manifesting while you are preaching. It happened to Jesus. I was in a meeting with Dudley once doing one of those fathering times. It was a challenge. He, he said this. He said, you look at the book of Acts. I mean, that was the book of Mark where the people are manifesting. He said, if it's happening in the book of Acts and it's not happening in your church, you've got to ask yourself, have you got a New Testament church? <laughs> so why? Now, listen, I'm not a big running after signs and wonders guy. Like, I'm not that. But man, we've got to see God move with power. And when I say power, it's not glitz and glamour. I'm talking about people's lives getting changed. I'm not talking about people jumping in the river and jumping in the river every week and soaking every week and every week and nothing changes and every week we're soaking and, and we're doing, and, and it's like, it drives me nuts. It absolutely drives me nuts. I'm talking about a counter with God that changes your life. That comes because you have an encounter with the king. And when you have an encounter with the king, you change. He doesn't. And that comes with an authority, a, a moments in God that get set up corporately, but I think there's a, there's a time coming when God wants His church to pick up that banner. I tell you, friends, our cities will not change. To change a city needs authority. It's not, it's not, it's not playing games. We need voices in government with authority. We need people on school governing bodies to stand up and say no and convince the whole school governing body that that's the way because it's truth. Now, how does that happen? Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm talking about kind of authority. I'm giving, but in, from a ministry point of view, 
how, where, where do you get that, that it's, it's, it, there's an authority there that I think God, and part of it is because we're busy, part of it is because we're distracted, part of it is because our identities, we carry shame and guilt in our own lives. Remember this, remember this. The gospel doesn't just deal with your sin. The gospel is not just a moment of forgiveness. The gospel is also connecting with the love of the Father. And often what happens is we move, we understand guilt, forgiveness. But the gospel's reality is it recreates our value in the Father's eyes and strips us of our shame. It restores created value to us. Not just forgives us of our sin, it's both. But part of it is, it gives you an encounter with the love of the Father, with the heart of the Father. I even think a preaching of the gospel, sorry, this is getting a bit... When you say to somebody now, hey, Jesus wants to give you of your sin, they're like, what? Sin. Are you living with your boyfriend or girlfriend? Oh, what's wrong with that? So unless you were a murderer, like, yeah, well, that's not sin. I mean, it's like, unless you're like a hectic, like hectic, like you've murdered people, or oh, what do you mean sin? People don't even understand that language anymore. But let me tell you what, everybody's broken. Everybody doesn't know what the Father means. Everybody hasn't got a clue what love means. Nobody understands that. We've got to take people back to the Father and allow the Father's love to heal them and to restore them so that they can be forgiven and their guilt and their shame dealt with. Because then it restores proper identity. And I'm more and more convinced of this. Lord, can it be? That we don't have to go through 300 counseling sessions for that to happen. Lord, can we preach the gospel? Listen, I love counseling. That's one of my things. My, I love that moment with people. I love ministering to people. So I'm not... But can it be, Lord, that we preach the gospel in such a way that revelation comes into people's hearts, that they start to get free, instantly start to get free. I'm not saying completely free straight away, but man, the process starts... That it's not counseling and counseling and counseling and counseling. That somehow God moves something. I'm, I'm, I mean, Rex is involved with drug, uh, with, um, Rex is involved with uh, drug uh, ad addiction. Not you're involved with drugs. <laughs> on the sides, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, and I'm just thinking, hey, Lord. When is the day coming? Mother Teresa. We have, we've got real life examples of it. Just pray in tongues. Get delivered from heroin. Come on. Jackie Pullinger. Sorry, not Mother Teresa. Jackie Pullinger. Other one. Close. Close enough. Ah, Lord, come. My, 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 my exhortation, my passion is to stir us to trust God, to grow in that side of our ministry where we can learn to minister with power and authority, not just administer the life of the church. That when a prophetic word comes, when it comes with authority, it cuts to the heart and changes somebody's life. Can we pray? Can we, can we just stand? Father, we just... Thank you that your your word is alive with the possibility of your kingdom coming all the time, Lord. And I pray, Lord God. That you would enable your ministers, Lord God. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow in authority, Lord. 
I just, have, I just have to say this. I was talking to Mark earlier. I met Mark in some meetings with Charles Gordon 10 years ago. We used to meet in his, his house for a cup of tea every month. And he was kind of imparting his ministry lessons. And you know what? He was one of the first men in Durban to pray for people for the infilling of the Spirit and for them to receive the Spirit instantly and speak in tongues. Not a coach, coach, a this and just open your mouth, sha-da-da-da-da, sukiyaki, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Pray for the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, over and over and over again. And this was in the Presbyterian Church. I don't know if he was still in the Presbyterian Church in that stage. He had an authority that he knew that when he prayed for somebody to be filled with the Spirit of God, he knew they would be filled with the Spirit of God. The baptism of the Spirit was theirs. It was completely like a mind blow in those days. Nobody was doing that. Never heard of. What was that? How was this Presbyterian minister full of nonsense? It's quite a strange like, guy. But when he laid hands on you, you were filled with the Spirit of God. And I pray, Lord God, that in the diversity of the gifts and the authority that you want to give us as the church, whether it be laying hands on people and knowing that they're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, I pray, Lord God, you would be able to pray short prayers, be filled, be healed, come out. Even that prayer of Jesus, follow me, just follow me. And people followed him. Gave up everything and followed him. People would give up their lives, Lord God. For the work of the ministry, Lord God. To follow Jesus. Give up their lives and their livelihoods to follow Jesus in the call that is over their lives, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for every single one of us. And we would grow in that, Lord God. Where we are battling with shame and identity issues, I pray, Lord God, that you'd reveal it even now while we're standing here, Lord. Father, we've got a distorted view of the Father, Lord God. We, the authority comes from the Father, Lord. A relationship with the Father, Lord. I just ask you, Lord, that you'd restore.